you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. And the I think it should be a rule that you have to run to the front for children's church. I think it really adds. <laughs> um, if you would, open your Bibles to the book of Acts. We're going to be looking at chapter 1, uh, verse 12 through 17, and then 20 through 26. You can open that up. Um, at Bethel, uh, we're starting a, a new series this summer. We're walking through the whole book of Acts together. Um, but what's been interesting, last week and this week, um, the book of Acts doesn't start with um, sort of this big kind of, it, it sort of sets the stage a little bit, uh, for, for lack of a better word. Whereas, you know, the Gospels, start, they start with the birth of Jesus. You know, God became flesh and dwelt among us. And and God shows up in a really unique way in the gospel or in the book of Acts that we'll be reading together. But, uh, but he doesn't uh, show up right away. In fact, uh, it starts with God leaving. <laughs> That's how Acts begins. Acts begins with the word made flesh, Jesus, who walked the earth healing and teaching and doing all these incredible things, um, dying on a cross and rising again from the dead. That person, that God on earth as in heaven leaves uh, in the first chapter of Acts, and that sets the tone. And before Jesus leaves, he says, he says, wait for the Spirit, and, and he says, something's going to happen, but, but I'm, I'm out. And so after Jesus leaves, um, uh, you have the first chapter of Acts, and it, and it follows the disciples when they're in this, this in-between time. Uh, and I think it's really helpful, and it's been helpful to me to read, especially uh, uh, this month, um, for me anyway, uh, because there are times in our lives uh, when something happens that just tosses all of our expectations up into the air, uh, all of our plans, all of our dreams, all of our ideas, and uh, sometimes they can be good and sometimes they can be bad, but it, but it wrecks everything. In fact, it wrecks every habit, every uh, routine, every uh, idea of what we had our normal life was. Sometimes things happen, and like for me, the biggest one that ever happened uh, for my life, I think, so far um, at least recently, was uh, the birth of our first child, Foster. So you got a, got a, a real taste of Foster this morning uh, at the beginning of the service. Uh, I remember when Aaron was pregnant with him thinking, you know, this is going to change my life, right? But I, I kind of thought about it as just sort of a, a, an addition problem. You know, it's like, okay, you know, there's two of us, now there's going to be three, and we'll sort of work this baby into our life, uh, and, you know, it'll be interesting at first. We'll get used to having a kid around, but then it'll, it'll get back to normal. Um, but, of course, you know, I kind of thought it was like, like we got a dog when we first moved here. And, like, a dog is a lot of responsibility. <laughs> but a dog doesn't change your life, does it? Uh, uh, when we had Foster, I remember those first few months, uh, he was like a little, tiny, um, crying bomb <laughs> that... That, that just blew our whole life up. Everything changed. Uh, every habit um, from when I did my work to what we did with our free time uh, to what we enjoyed doing together, every part of our relationship 
Uh, it just changed. It just all went up in the air. And I remember, uh, this was in the first few months of Foster's life, thinking and trying to do the math of when my life was going to get back to normal again. <laughs> and it hit me, and I was like, I don't know that I can wait 18 years for that. <laughs> and, and eventually what happened to me, and I think this happens to most people, is trying, and I would try and like force my life back into those patterns. Well, I still have to do this thing. I still have to uh, work this way or whatever. And I would, I would try so hard to sort of recreate what it was like before, um, before he was born. Um, and I would miss those old things. <laughs> Uh, but finally, it didn't take long for me to realize that, of course, uh, things were never going to be the same. Uh, you never go back to the way that it was. Um, and that new life that you couldn't possibly have imagined before uh, that event happened, um, it, it does fall into place eventually. But it takes time. And for me, during that time, I was, I was fighting it or looking forward to something else. Um, but, but whatever happens to us, anytime a massive change hits us, good like a blessing of a baby or, or bad, whether it's a, a new job or a medical crisis, whether it's getting married or having to care for a loved one who's ill, it, it just throws our whole lives into the air. And for a while, we just don't know what it's going to look like, how it's going to shake out. And I think the disciples, um, they're, they're sitting in this moment. That's what I love about Acts chapter 1, uh, because they abandoned everything to follow this this crazy, I mean, it's a crazy thing to do, this, this teacher, this miraculous, amazing person. They, they dedicated three years to walking just like as close behind that person as possible, just, you know, keeping their eye on his back, listening to what he said, trying to do what he asked them to do. And then all of a sudden, he went somewhere that they couldn't go yet. Uh, the person they had followed for three years disappeared into heaven, and he promised that there was more to come. But if you were one of Jesus' disciples and you're standing on that hill watching his foot disappear behind the cloud, or you're waiting in, in a house, which is what we're going to talk about now, your, your life is all up in the air, and you have no idea uh, what's coming next. Uh, and so, and I imagine, you know, sometimes they're just like us, you know, how can we put things back? Uh, how are things going to shake out? Um, and so I find the first chapter of Acts just incredibly helpful uh, to those of us that are in that, that middle uh, space. And if you find yourself in a middle space where one thing has ended and something else is beginning, oh, and it can be anything, um, I found this incredibly, incredibly comforting. Um, uh, so, because they're in that in between, they're they're waiting uh, for something, something different. And so, the passage that we're going to read, uh, they're uh, addressing a problem that they that they have to solve. Um, and so, so they're waiting. Uh, and and what happens here is they're about to deal with something. Um, something really ugly that happened right before Jesus left. Um, they had, not only did Jesus ascend into heaven, but something uh, massively bad happened. Um, one of their um, brothers, one of the 12 people that Jesus picked to follow him during those three years, one of the people that had been right next to them as they were following Jesus and watching him do miracles and, and teach and all these things, one of those people had sold Jesus out and betrayed him. Of course, we know the story of, of Judas, one of the disciples, a trusted disciple, um, uh, turns his back on Jesus and actually leads the Romans uh, to him. And he's responsible for his death in some ways, Judas the betrayer. And, 
And if you're thinking um, reasonably, you're thinking about a group, you're a member of a group of people, and you believe that your leader, Jesus, uh, is, is God, um, you're presented with a, a difficult question, right? If Jesus is, is God, if he's the way, the truth, and the life, how is it possible that he brought someone along this whole way that, one, was with him the whole time and still betrayed him, and two, um, how would Jesus, why would Jesus choose somebody that was going to act like that? Did he not know? Was he surprised? Was he fooled by, by Judas? The betrayal of Judas raised these questions, right? Because if you believe that if you followed the way, if you followed Jesus, if you followed this one person with everything, uh, it, how is it possible that one person it, it didn't work for, right? Um, would Judas's failure harm um, what Jesus was trying to do? Um, how could someone we trusted and ate with and lived with for three years fall away? If, if Jesus is really God, how did Jews, Judas trick him? Uh, these are reasonable questions that people may have been asking at that time. Uh, but we're going to take a look, because I think this is in the air, we're going to take a look at how Peter responds. So Acts chapter 1, verse 15, uh, perfect, through 17. Um, this is right after, so they're on the hill. Jesus' foot disappears behind the clouds. Uh, and then they head back home. It says, um, well, leading up to this, the apostles, they, they walk back to Jerusalem. Uh, they go to this house, and they head upstairs to this upper room, uh, and, and they're all together, right? It says, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. So this is after they get home. They've got a little group gathered, and, and Peter says this. And you can imagine, they're thinking about this. Jesus is gone. What about Judas? There's only 11 of us. There are supposed to be 12, uh, right? There are 12 disciples because Israel has 12 tribes. Almost um, and one of the easiest ways to think about their families, but it's sort of like 12 states. You've got a, a representative for every part of Israel, God's chosen people. And now we're down to 11, so what are we going to do? It says, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120 and, and as you're reading Acts with us, I encourage you this summer, read through the whole book. You'll notice that um, Peter and others stand up at like key times. You'll see this repeated. Um, but he stands up and he says this, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. Uh, Peter doesn't look away, right, from this uncomfortable reality. Um, many of us, myself included, if something like this happened, you'd be tempted to just pretend that it didn't. Judas isn't here. We're not going to worry about the fact that he's not here. We're just going to move forward. But instead, he draws their attention, and he says, Judas, he's courageous enough. He trusts God enough. He says, Judas was one of us, and he betrayed us. He doesn't lie. He doesn't sugarcoat. He says, this is reality. He was here. He was our brother, and, and he turned our back on us. He was one of us and shared in our ministry. He did work with us. Um, and he continues. I'm dropping down to 20. It says, uh, for, uh, he says, <clears throat> spoke long ago through David concerning Judas. Um, for, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, verse 20, may his place be deserted, and let there be no one to dwell in it. And then again, make another, may another take his place of leadership. So, so Peter recognizes the reality. He goes back to Scripture, what he's read in Scripture, and he says, this isn't uh, surprising. Uh, this was written down, and Peter will say this a few times. He'll say, this 
was uh, predicted. Um, this was written down in the book of Psalms. Uh, May his place be deserted. Uh, Peter says, Scripture tells us things like this happen. May his place be deserted, but no one dwell in it. And then may another take his place of leadership. Peter finishes his argument. He says, therefore, it's necessary uh, to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up for us, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Uh, so Peter's saying, it's not surprising that this happened. I'm not going to look away from it. I'm not going to shy away from it. But we need somebody else. Our group is incomplete. Uh, we're not ready. We need 12 because there's 12 tribes, 12 witnesses. And so they, they solved the problem. Uh, they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Uh, then the people prayed. They got a plan. A couple really good people that had been there with Jesus the whole time, too. Uh, they prayed together. Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you've chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. I, I love this. They're like, okay, um, Peter says, you know, the scripture said this was going to happen. We need to choose somebody else. They use all their discernment. They come up with two candidates, and then they, like, throw, they, like, throw dice to see who's going uh, to be the person. They say, Lord, we don't know what else to do. We're trying to listen for your spirit. Later, they'll have a different way uh, to listen uh, to the Holy Spirit. Uh, but for now, they say we've done our best work. We offered it up to God, and God give us an answer, and this is how, um, how they did that. Uh, but I think um, there's a few things that are really important that happen here. I think Peter does something really helpful, really interesting. Uh, because as the other disciples are gathered, they're waiting, right? We talked about waiting last week. They're waiting for the Spirit. Um, maybe they, um, like us, want to avoid this uncomfortable thing that happened. They want to look away from Judas, but, but Peter um, does something else. Um, first of all, he, he does these three things. He acknowledges the reality plainly, right? Peter doesn't shy away. He says, this happened. Uh, oftentimes in the church, um, when uncomfortable things happen, when people do things that we, we think they shouldn't do, oftentimes, um, you know, we're, we live in an era where it seems like every couple of years, some high-profile, like, Christian leader, you find out, um, was a betrayer in some way of their life, and it just shakes us. And some Christians, they just say, well, we're just going to pretend that not, that didn't happen. Um, and some Christians, they, uh, you know, they, they want to, like, uh, get him. Um, but, but whatever it is, we, we all react to these uncomfortable realities sometimes. Sometimes we shy away from them, but Peter doesn't. He says, this happened. I'm not afraid of talking about it because I believe that God is actually bigger than what happened with Judas. Even if Peter doesn't understand, he's looking uh, towards a God that does. So he acknowledges the reality. The second thing that Peter does is he, he sees it in the context of God's story. He says, uh, I don't think God is surprised by what happened with Judas. That's what, what Peter essentially says. He isn't afraid of mentioning it, even though it's a tragedy, but Peter uh, says, Scripture had to be fulfilled. And if you read Acts, you'll, you'll notice this again and again and again. Uh, the apostles, the disciples, they'll look back to God's word and say, we ought not be surprised by what's happening uh, because God knew what he was doing. Scripture had to be fulfilled. And then uh, out of what he sees God doing, uh, he looks uh, to God to move forward. 
Peter uses his own brain. He says, you know, Scripture said this would happen, that his place would be filled. Uh, how do we respond to what God has done? How do we move forward with him? So, uh, uh, because he looks to God for the, for the way forward, and then he moves forward. And so, um, the thing that I think just jumps out from this story to me is that Peter believes, and if you read the rest of Acts, you'll notice this again and again, uh, that God is not surprised by what happened with Judas. Peter believes that Jesus um, was not surprised that Judas uh, betrayed them. Uh, he, uh, he didn't choose Judas by accident. That's what, that's what Peter is, is acknowledging. He says, when he reads scripture, he says, this was predicted. This was going to happen. Scripture had to be fulfilled. And so then they acknowledge the reality and they move forward with uh, the replacement. He names the reality. He tries to see it in God's bigger story. And then he looks to what God is doing in Scripture and in them and the spirit with how to move forward. I, I think sometimes when something uh, comes into our lives that shakes our lives up, good or bad, when, when, a, when a bomb blows up in our lives and everything's up in the air, um, our brains tell us that we either have to panic and rush around trying to grab every piece and put it back just the way it was, uh, or we get in that fearful problem-solving mode. Sometimes you can tell you're acting in high anxiety when everything you see here or, or anyone else says tells you that you've got to respond to it in some way. Like if you're constantly responding, if you know that person makes that like slight comment and you like you have to go tell somebody about it right away, like you're acting in high anxiety. Your world is blown up and you're trying to grab every piece and put it, put it back down. Uh, sometimes we do the other thing. Uh, we stare at our feet and pretend it's not happening. We shut down, we disengage, we walk away from whatever is making us uncomfortable. You know, that change comes in our lives and we just say, I'm going to pretend it's not happening. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to deal with it without looking at it. Sometimes we'll stare at our feet for a really long time and try and pretend that it, it's fine and it doesn't bother us that whatever this thing happened is, um, but inside we're, we're panicked, right? Our minds are racing. And we're saying, you know, Lord, did you see what happened with Judas? Lord, uh, he betrayed you. How can we possibly trust you if something like that would happen to him? Lord, did you hear what that person said about me? Did you see that he betrayed you? What are we going to do about it? And we run and fret and pull. Or we say, Lord, did you see how I failed? How can, how can I go forward? Did you see how we failed? How can this family survive my failure? What are we going to do about it yesterday? Or we say, Lord, did you see or hear what that person said to me? What that person did? How that person let me down? Lord, how could you let that happen? Or we say, Lord, did you see that, that LP prices hit $5 a gallon? Or did you see what happened to that person? Lord, did you know about my anxiety or my depression? We said, Lord, what are you going to do? Your disciple betrayed you. How do we move forward? What new plan will you make, Lord? How will you respond to this new reality? Judas betrayed Jesus. The trusted one who was with them in charge of the books through everything turned his back on him. It's, it's crushing. What are we going to do, Lord? How are you going to change your plan so that we can move forward? 
But Peter responds, and the voice of the Spirit, it whispers uh, in the Scriptures, and it whispers back, and it says, Peter, it was predicted. May the traitor's place be deserted. May another take his place. It was predicted, Peter says to the disciples. It was written. It was known. In other words, Peter, disciples, Todd, God is not surprised by that thing that happened. God does not see that tragedy as hard as it is. He doesn't see Judas' betrayal as a setback. God doesn't see it as a failure or a frustrated plan. God says, I accounted for this. This is the plan. God knows, um, uh, and Peter says, and Peter will say again and again throughout Acts, that, that he knows, that he planned for this, that he's not surprised, and we can rest in a God that is not surprised by the things that send us scurrying around and freaking out. As Acts goes on, um, you'll notice many moments when the people following the way of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they want to say, but God, what's happening? And, and you'll see it. You'll see them, see them worry and freak out. There's a moment where uh, the church has come together and they're sharing their resources and caring for each other. And, and somebody feels, one group of people feels like they're not being cared for enough. And they get mad and they form a group and they say, you've got to care for us. How dare you neglect us and the people, they run around, they want to say, what are we going to do? So-and-so's mad. How are we going to fix so-and-so's problem? Uh, and they say, God, do you see what's happening? And it's clear that he does. It's clear that he's not surprised. Uh, when leaders are locked up, when uh, one of the, the, their newest, uh, most promising leaders, is uh, Stephen, is stoned to death, when pagan Gentiles start showing up to the church and wanting to join, when, when evil men and, and haters of Jesus, they, uh, they seek help from Christians, these moments happen and nobody knows what to do. And you see the people as you read Acts, and I challenge you, encourage you to read, you'll see it, you'll, you'll, you can imagine how tempted they are to think, but God, what are we going to do about this? Don't you see what's happening? And the response is always the same, it was predicted. God is not surprised, even though he surprises us. God does not pivot because of Judas' betrayal. He says, yeah, I know, but there's more. Now, of course, you and I, we are not Peter. Uh, these events of our lives are different. It's impossible and difficult for us sometimes to face some massive change or hurt or tragedy uh, that's, that's just disrupting our lives when we're in the middle. And it's hard for us to go back and look at Scripture and see ourselves in Scripture in the same way that, that Peter does. Um, in fact, um, oftentimes, uh, it'll be much harder for us to make sense of why something might have happened when it did or what God had in mind. And sometimes a tragedy will hit after a tragedy, after a tragedy, after a tragedy, after a tragedy. And, and we are right and reasonable to say, God, do you see what's happening to me? But I think we can look at the thing that is changing our lives, whatever it is, and we can take two things away from Peter's word here. One, that God is, he's not surprised. He knows what's happening. 
He's not pivoting in light of it because he already has a way forward for us. He's not surprised and he has a way forward for us. So I don't know what it is for you right now. Um, and maybe you're not in a time of, of transition, but uh, I find it hard to believe. I think almost all of us right now are still um, navigating a, a one transition or another. Um, I don't know what it is for you, but I encourage you uh, in, in prayer in a moment and as you're thinking this week to, to remind yourself that whatever it is that's happened, God is he's not surprised. And it's not because he doesn't care about you. It's not because he doesn't love you. He, he feels your pain. He empathizes. He knows how hard it is. He made you to feel that way, but he's not shocked by it. He's not caught flat-footed. He's not making a plan B. In fact, God has something for you on the other side of that thing that is different but good. Uh, whether it's a tragedy or a loss, a regret, a failure, an illness, a disappointment, or if it's something good, a new opportunity, a new call you're unsure about pursuing, a new job that, or a move or something that you think maybe God is leading you to, and you say, I don't, I don't know, God, this seems pretty crazy. God is not surprised by it, and so we rest, and we can be still and know that he's God, and we're not. Sometimes the hardest thing about following Jesus, about having faith, um, is how easy the requirements are. Uh, we're not invited, we're not challenged, we're not called to fix all the world's problems, but instead to rest, to be still and listen and know that God is not surprised. And it's hard to stop when we want to rush and race. When we face tragedy or opportunity, when something changes for us, we want to be in control, we want to do something, we want to pivot and make it right. We want to direct our own destiny, even if it means crashing the plane sometimes. <laughs> but God invites us to something else, to be still and know. To ask, Lord, um, and, and ask yourself in prayer this week. You know what's going on. What are you doing in me uh, through your spirit. Lord, what are you teaching me in the middle of this transition, this frustration, this change that's wrecking my life? What are you trying to teach me? And how can I be faithful in it? Because Lord, I know you're not surprised. I know you have something on the other side of this. God is not pivoting. He's at work. He's leading He's calling. He's not making plans because he already made them. And we are invited to rest in his hands, to wait and pray. And yes, do the next faithful thing. Yes, find the replacement disciple, but allow him to hold yesterday and tomorrow because he is not surprised. Uh, all of us are invited, and whether you've done that before or not, the, the gospel, the good news is that we don't have to be the managers of our world and of our destiny and of the people and relationships in our lives. They're not our responsibility. In fact, we are not able um, or responsible to uh, construct a good person out of ourselves. Instead, we are invited to admit our failure, our sin, our shortcomings, and frankly, our inability 
to be the person that we wish we could be and rest on the grace of a God who looks at us and our failure and our sin, our insecurity, our anxiety, and says, I'm not surprised (laughs) by you, Todd. I'm not surprised by you, but I love you. And even in times of change and in the messy middle, when it's impossible to know how things are going to shake out on the end, we can trust in the grace of that God that holds our lives much more gently and much more firmly than we ever could. And we're invited to, to that kind of faith. So would you pray with me? Lord, there are things that happen in our lives. There are challenges and transitions and uncertainties. There are tragedies that are not right, not good, or not fair that come in and blow everything up. And there are blessings that are prayed for and exciting that we hope for. And when we receive them, they still shake us to our core. And we so want to run around and create ourselves in the middle of that, but instead, Lord, we know that we are sinners, we are fallen, we fail. We can't always make it, make it right. And so, Lord, we put our faith in you. Uh, we put our faith in your son who lived and died and rose again on our behalf. We let go of our attempts to hold ourselves, Lord, and we allow you to hold us, making us new by the power of your Holy Spirit. Because only you know yesterday and today and tomorrow. And we can trust you to hold us in it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'd like to invite the worship team to come forward. Let's conclude our service in praise. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCove.org. Thanks and have a great week.